Today we are looking at Avatar The Last Airbender, Episode 6, which is entitled Imprisoned. Uh, first things first, Chris, how's it going? Doing good. I think that's the first time you uh, ever said AKA The Objective Geek. And I start thinking to myself, there's a lot of other things I go by also. Um, I got Buki. I'm not calling you uh, Jethro, homeboy, <laughs> baby boy, manager. <laughs> There's a lot of name. nicknames I have out there. If you ever see Buki518 on Twitter responding to the Objective Geek, that's just me trying to hype myself up, what? give myself likes. <laughs> Who has time? Who has time for two Twitter accounts, Chris? Boy? Sometimes I don't know. when I post the YouTube video <laughs> under your name, I'll go under my name and like it, and I feel really sneaky. And Good. I always think about commenting yeah. and stuff. But uh, yeah. two Twitter accounts. That's like I don't have time for that. I, I have like well, I, I built one specifically followers. just. I built one specifically just for my YouTube channel, gotcha. which I didn't know that I could just change my yes, Twitter handle can. and Twitter. <laughs> you absolutely can. <laughs> nope, started fresh. I wonder if you. I'm can like, like I'm like Kevin Durant now. Where he has a <laughs> hidden Twitters to slide in people's DMs. I guess I'm not sliding anyone's DMs. FYI. But. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if you can like, like people will like sell Twitter DMs and stuff like that. I wish you could just combine them, right? Like just take them all and yeah. smush them together. I don't think that's possible, but I don't know anything about Twitter. I've got like, I've got like twenty followers and like fifteen posters. I just I don't Twitter a whole lot, but I should. Maybe that's why I should Twitter a lot and help the show. Maybe maybe this week will be the week that I my I up my Twitter game. Uh, so before we get started in anything too serious, I did have a couple of things uh, that I thought we might be interesting to talk about first. Ooh, uh, news one, and nonsense. I like it. News and, well, because it's mostly nonsense because I don't really like news because we, we produce <laughs> one show every two weeks and it takes me like <laughs> four days between the time that we do it between when it, and like then and actually getting it up. So nothing is news ever, even if it was brand new. But uh, the Dragon Prince is this cartoon <laughs> that is from the writers of Avatar The Last Airbender that is coming to Yes, Netflix. writers and uh, and some directors. A couple directors, and they also but, did Futurama, is that correct? Uh, I don't... I'm not sure on that, or but I wouldn't doubt it. there was one it. or two attached to Futurama. That's only impactful to me because I always say that Futurama has maybe sort of the best dialogue um, of any cartoon that I've ever watched. I know a lot of people say stuff like Archer, but I think Futurama's better. And then one thing that yeah. I actually do see in common between Futurama and uh, Avatar The Last Airbender is they both have sort of very full circle lore, like their lore is very complete. Well, they were both, I don't know if you're about to get to this, but they are both like cryogenically frozen for, you know, years. I was not even going to make that connection, but what an obvious connection. No, I was, I was going to go much deeper and say that the reason that I think I really like both shows is because their lore is so complete. And so I really appreciate that, and I hope that shows through The Dragon Prince. If it does, I will definitely watch The Dragon Prince. Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it anyway. It premieres next Thursday night at 12 o'clock at night. Like I said, I think I will definitely give it a shot. Hopefully I have this up before that time so somebody sees that and they're like, oh, next Thursday, and it won't be like that day. I'll try to get it up before Oh, that. tomorrow? What? Yeah, I will try to do try to do better than that. But I'll I somehow know about this random podcast, and I don't know about Dragon Prince. <laughs> you know, right, you're one of the three people that know that we exist, and you don't know about the Dragon Prince. That's very special. Yeah. That's very 
That's highly unlikely, to say the least. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And then this won't interest you at all. It kind of will. But Dragon Quest Eleven came out last week. This week, sorry. It'll be last week by the time this is up again. It came out on Tuesday, September 4th, and I've already dumped like 10, 15 hours into it, which doesn't sound impressive other than that was two days ago, and I have a job. So dumped 10 or 15 hours into it already. And the only reason I'm bringing that up is because we just talked about other cartoons, and of course Dragon Quest mm-hmm. is from the same artist. Uh, what is his name? Akira, Akira Toriyama. That guy. The Dragon yes. Ball guy. Um, it yep. is from that same guy. And in every Dragon Quest game, there's almost you're almost always like you're the reincarnation of like a chosen one or something. This one is called the Luminary. So see, that's my bad segue and tie-in. I just need an excuse to talk about it because that's been my whole like past three days. It's just work and no sleep, just work in Dragon Quest Eleven. It's amazing. I have seen a handful of Dragon Ball Z episodes. That is it. It's something I just, you know, I've always thought about. It just never has presented the mm-hmm. opportunity, uh, or it the opportunity is, has never presented itself to me. I guess it is definitely, it's definitely worth watching. I don't think it. Thing is, is that it is the goat of anime, but like I sort of compare it to Michael Jordan. Like Michael Jordan's the goat of basketball, but is he really the best? There's a difference. Like, yeah, there's make, a difference. Like you can make claims that LeBron James is better. You can make claims that. I'm gonna say Kobe Bryant, something like this, right? Kobe Bryant's better. Such a homer. You can make claims that Bill Russell is better because he won all these championships, or you know, we five, all know that really Levar Ball, like Levar Ball would beat Kobe with two <laughs> hands tied behind his back, and from a yeah, from a chair, from a seated position, Chris. <laughs> right now, um, not even in but, his younger days. Right now. <laughs> yeah, but Dragon Ball Z is is like the Jordan of of anime. Like it changed the game. Like, everyone became anime fans because of Dragon Ball Z. I, I get what you're saying, that Dragon Ball Z can be the GOAT. It doesn't necessarily have to be the best, but it is the GOAT <laughs> because it, it sort of turned the corner on what we know as modern anime. Yeah, it, it definitely pushed the genre. Which, see, I'm really glad I brought Dragon Quest up because it inspired such a deep topic. I will watch <laughs> Dragon Ball Z someday, but not in the near future because, first of all, I'm watching Avatar. Second of all, it's football season. <laughs> and third, I've got, like... 90 hours more of gameplay to dump into this game. So I've got a pretty stacked list. So Dragon Ball can come later. So there is... I don't know if you've heard... You've probably seen this before. That Avatar Kyoshi is getting her own novel. I have not heard this. A full novel? Yeah. Uh, yes. It's not even going to be... I don't think it's going to be even a graphic novel. It's going to be like a legit book with words. And just words <laughs> in it. <laughs> because... Because comics ain't supposed to have words. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, an actual novel. That's but it doesn't come out until, like, summer 2019. So it's going to explore her time as the Avatar. I'm looking really forward to that because I really like Avatar Kyoshi. That sounds like it will be um, a very deep experience that will be probably very unlike both of our current <laughs> Avatar experiences in the form of Aang and Korra. I imagine that she is going to be a yeah. stark contrast to both. Maybe, yeah. maybe. And then, uh, and then this week, what was it last week? Um, the final chapter to, I don't know, the final chapter to uh, this Legend of Korra comic book ended. I really like the ending of it. 
So not only um, did I know that, did I? Sorry, did I not know that? But I didn't even know that was a thing. So I'm learning all sorts of new stuff right now. Oh yeah, I'm but, just blowing your mind. This is, this is. Uh, so they come out with these kind of small books. They're they're like it's like ten dollars for this one. It's not a graphic um, novel, but it's not a single issue kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. They do them in three parts. So each story has like three parts. This is part three. This is the finale, and these are the first ones with Cora in it. And like the book picks up exactly where Legend of Korra leaves off at. Um, but I really enjoy, really enjoy this book. The art's good. Um, I really enjoy the last sentence or the last pages of this, which I'm going to quote it real quick. So spoiler alert: at one point, someone's running for president. They win, um, <laughs> and they're like given their <laughs> please be they're given their acceptance speech. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's not Varric though it's not Varric dang it but when when this person is giving their acceptance speech and Cora just like I don't know save the day from something um, I don't want to go through it because I don't want to spoil it for anyone but in this person's acceptance speech they say now I will quote Avatar Aang and I love this quote it says the true mind can weather all the lies and illusions without being lost the true heart can tough the poison of hatred without being harmed. Though darkness thrives in the void, it always yields to purifying light. The thing is, in the show, Aang never said that in the show, but the Lion Turtle told him that. So I'm guessing Aang not only took the power of the Lion Turtle gave him, but he also took some words of wisdom and spread it. It's almost like a messiah. <laughs> As we've been saying, this was, he talked to God, and then he went to be like, hey, this is what God said. Gave me one sentence. So in five years, when we're done talking about every episode of the <laughs> television show, we can uh, we can move on to the comic books. Uh, so just a few years yeah. down the road. <laughs> I will try <laughs> to make time to actually read a book. It's been so long since I read a book because all I do is listen to audiobooks now. So it's been so long skip, since I read anything. Skip. Uh, you can skip The Promise. The Promise is the first one. That's the one I actually uh, know about dude, just because you've told me oh. about it before. So I'm actually pretty familiar with The Promise. And then, uh, but you do want to read The Search. Search is great. And then pick up from there. All right. So uh, like, I'll make it a stretch goal to get it done within three years so we could talk about it sooner. <laughs> It'll nice. happen. It'll happen. And then, uh, yeah. so next week, I guess, like, it's not really news, but next week will be a two part episode. It's very exciting. Um, it's very good, one of my favorites, and that is all just my segue to this episode, which is not. But I guess before I jump in, I should give you a chance. Do you have any cleanup from our episode last mm. time? I don't remember. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. If any information is incorrect. I don't know, because I probably said it. So, <laughs> <laughs> it was probably me in the first place. Alright, so no cleanup, that's fine. Uh, so let's get to a quick synopsis here, which is that last time was the King of Omashu, so they go to the uh, they go to Omashu, and it's a giant, amazing earthbender castle, uh, kingdom, city. It's fantastic, and they get in trouble. They get put in front of the king, and he's essentially going to sentence them. And it, it turns out it's Ing's old friend Boomy. Spoiler alert! I'm supposed to say spoiler alert before then, but yeah. So Boomy had put Ing through three crazy trials. It's very exciting. At the end, he found out with Boomy. There's a very heartwarming moment, and then Boomy kind of reinforced a very important message which is Aang's goal and the reason what he's supposed to do at the Avatar so it all culminated in something very touching 
very important, and then he sent them on their way, and now they have just set up camp outside of a small, totally nameless, as far as I know, uh, a totally nameless earthbending <laughs> village, and no. just kind of camping and hanging out. And I think the only thing else that I will add that doesn't make itself known right away, uh, but does maybe show through in the next few episodes, and you can kind of sense the start here, is they have been traveling a while. They are... They're low on food. They're starting to get kind of snippier at each other. And I think uh, <laughs> this episode is sort of where the seeds of that come or start to show through that they have been out on the road for a long time. And like I said, they're kind of starting to get a little tired of each other. They're running out of supplies and that sort of thing. And uh, I will have you take it from here in terms of the first scene, which is where Katara spots an Earthbender. Uh, yeah, so they're... Uh... <laughs> They they talk to Sokka about Sokka pretty much want to get some nuts and stuff, and they know they know it's oh there's a village nearby, so they go near there, and then yeah, Katara spots the Earthbender and she says hi to him, and a guy like freaks out and runs away, and they're just like oh okay, that's pretty much the scene. I think I mean you're supposed to you're supposed to get from it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean you're supposed to get from it that he is scared for some reason. We don't know why, Uh, but he is frightened. Yeah, yeah. So then, so they they yeah. pretty much follow they pretty much follow him into the village uh, where they find him. And at first, I thought he was running into his house, and then like they just walk in his house. Also, my like, gosh, that's rude. <laughs> um, but but uh, <clears throat> but they follow him to, into his mom's shop, and and then there's Fire Nation. Like the whole village is is uh, under control of the Fire Nation, and the Fire Nation has tattoos. So that's, like, the first thing to do, really, is to tats people unfairly. I mean, that's why we have America, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, and, I mean, the Fire Nation got the jerk, NBA and sports to now we're getting, like, hyper-political. It's been, it's been a very yes. diverse episode <laughs> for the eclectic listener. Um... Yeah, and then then uh, yeah, it's under Fire Nation rule, and and Katara and say, hey, you're that guy who's earthbending, and his mom gets really upset. His mom pretty much like, you can't be earthbending. She's and straight Katara's up like, why give not? Him a whooping, like she just has that look yeah. on her face. It shows through very clearly that he. And Katara's pretty much like, well, yeah, Katara, Katara's pretty much like, well, what else can they take from you? Like they're already under control like they could take Haru or they took his father and the thing I do like about this episode is that this is our it's either our, one of our first reminders that that they're at war like it's a, it's a it's a it's a very significant showing that they are at war and people are being taken because of who they are like they're being taken to prisons or camps internment camps whatever you want to call it uh, because they are, because they hold, because there's something special about them, something unique about them. There's sort of the first example of, like, say, blatant, uh, I guess, blatant discrimination. That maybe you wouldn't call it a race because all of earthbending mm. seems like uh, impossible to file that under a race. But yeah, it's the first example mm. of there's a clear military occupation of this town. I don't, I, I do appreciate the, the idea there. Like I said, it's the first first time where people are being essentially just segregated based on who they are here but i don't know 
that they do a great job of showing it with impact. Like, they just kind of make the Fire Nation look like a handful of bullies rather than, like, an actual sort of military <laughs> occupation. And so, uh, I guess I'm glad you brought up your point to balance it out. But maybe if that's one of my early qualms of this, they just... It seems like it's just a loose gang of firebenders. It's like, oh, well, the, the fire like lord hates this crew, so he puts them out in some just no-name <laughs> town where they can steal tax money and pick on people. That's what it feels like at first. It does get better later on in the episode. Um, yeah, it gets better. It gets more impactful later on. But early on, you don't necessarily see that. So, um, yeah, there's the awkward scene in the shop where the guy takes the, the, the money, all the money out of the box, and... He's like, here, you can keep the copper ones, which is like half the money in the yeah. box. So I guess that was kind of nice. And oh, I just assumed they were like pennies. Base, I assume they were like pennies. pennies. Is copper. It was like the whole quantity yeah. in the box was like three of those and then one silver. And that was the whole thing. So it's like he basically took one quarter. Uh, something like I don't yeah. recall exactly. But uh, so, yeah, you see the military occupation. They leave. There's a little more discussion. And then I believe it cuts down to uh, it just uh, cuts to a short ways into the future, if I'm not mistaken. Like later yeah. that day. Also, we future. haven't mentioned that there's no Zuko in this episode. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's, uh, that's... Until the very, 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 very end. Yes, yeah. But, yeah, essentially there's no Zuko. And there's no Zuko in the last episode. Um, so missing missing out on the Zooks. Do you really, do you really miss him that much? <sighs> do you really miss early, early on Zuko that much? Uh, I guess that's a good point. Later, later, <laughs> later series Zuko... Maybe, but early Zuko, eh, whatever. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So essentially, I mean, they're they're also in, in a mining, in a mining village, and this old man gets trapped underneath a bunch of rocks and earth, and so they're trying to get him out. And Katara says, "You got to earthbend, root earthbends, save the man's life." And then, knowing that if he saves this man's life, that he might be taken, because if someone finds out, and the man completely turns him in. Like, it's not like he even got anything for it. I thought at least when he turned him in, by the Fire Nation guy, I'd be like, here you go. Here's the pieces that I took from his mom or something. No, old man was just like, you know what? I'm just a jerk. Just I just do this out of the hatred of my own heart. Who hates young people and their what their newfangled earthbending techniques. Yeah. Uh, I thought maybe it would have been much better if it was like a story like, I was trapped. And then I was rescued by this nice young man, and he points to Haru, and they're like, "Well, how do he rescue you?" And then he's like, "Oh, um, yeah, he pushed him with his arms <laughs> and not bending or something like that." Yeah. You know, this was way nope, worse. Like old he's, man, he just, old man, just a jerk. He just a mean jerk. That's literally what I have here. Is uh, the old man is a jerk? That is the title that I gave this. Old man is a jerk. <laughs> the title that I gave this scene. <laughs> the old man is a jerk, and he just turns him in. Yes. And that's it. Um, nice call on that one there. But uh, so he turns <laughs> them in, and then that is that's in that's like in the middle of the night. So there, there again, there's some sort of impactful implications there that they come to the house in the middle of the night to take this kid. Uh, you know, that's resembling of some some pretty bad things throughout history. So that's when we start to feel a little more impact of what this occupation really is, uh, because that happens in the middle mm-hmm. of the night. And then the next day, Katara's filling up a bucket of water. And she sees the old lady kind of, uh, not the old lady, the kid's mom looking out over the horizon with tears in her eyes. Yeah, and that's, that is the best moment, I think, of this episode. Yes, it is. Um, they, 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 they did play up the 
trauma a little too much. Like, she's filling up a water. She's holding her hand. She's going to turn. She's going to drop it. Whatever. As much as that's predictable, the mother turning around and her eyes filling with tears. Um, that that was a great moment, just to show that these are the ramifications of war. You know, breaking up families, um, and and people being taken from, ripped from their, ripped from their family. Much more. So I really enjoyed that moment. A much sharper moment than a few bullies taking a few pennies from an old lady in a shop. <laughs> Definitely a much more, mm-hmm. uh, much more pointed. So, uh, but then they come up with an ingenious plan, uh, <laughs> where they are essentially going to find out where Haru was taken. Yeah, so they know that Earth. If you call Earth Benny, you're taken to the <clears throat> to some type of prison. They don't know where it's at. So they come up with the plan that Aang is going to air vent. They throw a rock onto a vent. Aang will air bend the rock up. Katara and Sokka will get in some weird fight, and Katara will pretend to earth bend. Um, and then, <laughs> so they they go through with this plan. Katara's making fun of Sokka. They get into a fake fight, and uh, <laughs> I just I always love this part. <laughs> so Aang. Air bends into the vent, the rock lifts up, and Momo just happens to be standing underneath it like this. Right yeah, perfect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, that is the exact shot I wanted you to get. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, like, the prison guard the guy. It's the girl, you idiot, or something like that. I yeah. Don't I don't know what he calls him. He does call him a name. He does. He, uh, maybe it is an idiot. It's like the. A buffoon? Some I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a weird name. It's not straightforward like an idiot. Yeah, but the the, uh, the, but the guard is just like to, just the lemur. He's earth bending, and then when Sokka does tell him like, "No, you idiot!" Like he's like, "Oh, like that guy believed in magic for a he second just, there." Just for <laughs> a moment, that... he's like, "Am I gonna have to start throwing lemurs in jail too? Is that gonna give me a moral like a moral like, conflict?" No way, I have man. My own pet lemur at home, and what if he has bending skills? I'm not just gonna throw him in jail. He went through this whole scale of emotions in like a second exactly yeah at least in my mind that's uh, last that's the last straw not anymore man this is no things have gone too far <laughs> sure they killed all the air nomads but my lemur man no this this lemur showed him the light uh i do yeah. i do need to and point then, out here just to be absolutely clear that the reason that they hatched this plan uh you mentioned they don't really know where this place is um, so it's all about getting Korra captured so they can follow her specifically. Katara. I'm sorry, did I say Korra? <laughs> We've been yeah, talking too fine. much about Korra. Katara. <laughs> yeah, whatever, right? A, there, there are two characters that exist. Um, yeah, so <laughs> it's it's not the lemur. It is the girl. And they do get it right. And then they, they tie her up and take her with her. Take her with them, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And... Then they arrive on the source of so many of my problems with this episode. I can't even, you know. You go ahead. Let me let me think out my. <laughs> so they they arrive on the ship, and, or it's a ship, or is it a rig? It's a big. Rig. More, it's a rig. It I a think. Giant offshore yeah, it's a big rig, rig kind of thing. Yes, made of complete metal. That way, the earthbenders can bend, and you take away the power. I did like that the Fire Nation get uh sadly inventive with their prisons like a lot like we see that with this like they really strip people of their hope um they say they put earthbenders in, in metal prisons they put 
water benders in prisons where there's no water. They steam in the water. Um, there's no air benders because they killed them all. Like, they are pretty freaking ruthless when it comes to, to, to these things. I, uh, I'm going to try to hold back like my whole rant for like nope go for it no no for a couple because i need one more piece to fall into place here before i give my whole (laughs) before i give my whole rant but yeah they arrive in this place and the first thing that you're kind of supposed to take away is uh is that the and even george takei who makes an appearance in this episode yes i forget his name but he's sort of the warden of the rig of the prison um and he's there Mm -hmm. so that's kind of exciting and then Katara gives this kind of rousing speech, like she's like, "What's the escape plan?" And Haru and Haru's dad's like, "There's no plan. We're just gonna like we're just gonna survive. Like we got to get through." Mm-hmm. So um, she, but she does give a pretty rousing speech, and then that's very exciting. But the point you're supposed to take away from all this is that there's there's no hope. The Firebenders, if you mentioned, with their very cruel prison, have have managed to to really break them down mentally. So that that speech goes goes nowhere. Um, the thing is, they do have this moment in uh, in the last Airbender. I don't know why. Also, it didn't make any sense. Uh, so they, they they take this episode and they put it in the movie The Last Airbender, but like they're not even on a rig. They put a bunch of Earthbenders in not even a village. Like I don't I don't even know how to explain it really. But they were on Earth the whole time. So it was just horribly done, and also the fight, the fight choreography in that scene is horrendous. Um, I don't know why I bring up the movie, you know, every now and then. I'll, um, but I just, I don't know why at all the episodes they decided to take this one. Just to remind you of how grateful you are that the television show is so much better. Yeah, probably. Uh, but you, you, so even after the Earth, even after the it is don't. Yeah, even if you haven't seen it, <laughs> come on. I still have it. Holding true. <laughs> Until the Chris um, Ford their... directed, Sean Shaler produced <laughs> version comes out. Wait, do I want that? No, no, you got to be the director. I'll just market it. Until that version comes out, I'm not right. watching any live action movies. All right. Once I hit the lotto, I told my wife that that I'll be producing movies if we hit the lotto. I got like 20 bucks in my pocket. Just let me know when you're ready. <laughs> She, she was like, the only thing I'm going to be producing is like, I don't know, straight to television BET movies. And I said, well, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that she went into such detail that it was not just straight to television movies. She got very highly specific and went BET. Good for her. Good for her. Um, so then in the episode, even after the Earthbenders give up hope uh katara doesn't quit and that is one thing that i do love about katara um and we've seen this and not only you know beaten down downtrodden places in the earth kingdom we saw it in in the fire nation like she has this great line which in the trailer was delivered so great also the trailer for season three she like her and Sokka are having a, a disagreement about helping people and that's somewhat always their disagreement like Saga's always kind of looking out for him and his family and Katara is always open to helping out everyone um, but her line in that which I'll say it now because we won't get to it for a year or so <laughs> is I will never ever turn my back on people who need me and that is the essence of the char- of the character of Katara and I really like that in, in this one it, does, it doesn't 
in this episode. It's not as great as in the episode farther down the line. Also, because this episode just isn't as as good. Um, but yeah, there's something that I really do love about Katara that she has no quit in her when it comes to uh, when it comes to helping others. And so they gave her uh, they gave her like twelve hours to do some reconnaissance, <laughs> and they're gonna go rescue her. And basically, her not quitting just comes in the form of they're like, all right, uh, you did your work, you tried. We gotta go. She just flat out says, no, I'm staying here, uh, but I've got a plan. So then they hatch this ingenious plan, which is to f- I call it fighting fire with coal question mark because um nope i gotta wait i gotta wait like one more step you describe the scene and then i'm gonna (laughs) gonna go on my old man rant oh okay um so they they Sokka. also this is one episode that points out how smart Sokka is because Sokka or who pointed this strategic let's call it strategic it was it uh, had to been Sokka. i think Sokka sort of finished the plan like i think he detailed it so he sees the smoke. He's like, well, if there's smoke, there's something being burnt. So it has to be coal. I don't know. I don't know why it couldn't have been wood, but whatever. It's a hunch. You had a 50 50 shot. Um, <laughs> uh, so Aang is pretty much going to use the same thing he did with the vent, air venting the rock up. He's, like, he's going to air vent the coal all the way up into and out into the rig. Um, so once he does that, um, that pretty much gives all the earthbenders ammunition finally. And Katara tries to give her speech again, saying, take your chance, this is it. And then George Takei is like, no, you fool. Like, they need more than pebbles or something like that. Um, <laughs> he's, not, he's not the warden, whatever. We don't even know his real name. He's just right. George also, Takei. I do, yeah, I do love George Takei in this. <laughs> but there was one point where, so the guards see the flying bison. And... <laughs> And uh, and the two of them come up to him like, "Sir, we saw a flying bison. You saw what? Sir, we saw a flying buffalo. Or was it the bison? Or was it a buffalo? I'm not sure if that matters. I will decide what matters." And then he throws the guy like, overboard. I, like, I don't know the <laughs> difference, but I'm not sure how that uh, how that matters. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, "Wake the captain." Search this place, sir. You just threw the captain overboard. Well, wake someone I haven't thrown overboard and search this place. I will say that George. Well, Takei, I did love. He's not the most convincing, mean person in the world, but I was so happy that he was here. And uh, as always, he he did a bang up job. He's welcome to come back into every episode <laughs> if he so chooses. Uh, all right, so. Uh, you just described Katara is given the speech, and then George Takei says that that's not enough to inspire this crew. They're they're dead. They have no hope. Uh, yeah. So then uh, he turns his back on them, and then uh, and then Haru is the first one to uh, to fight back. I do love the scene where Haru is like holding the three three pieces of coal and just spinning it. And I love that because it always. In movies, you ever see someone do that? Usually, they have telekinesis, and it's just a really cool image. I think it's similar to how Magneto um, in X Men Two, X Men United, just had the three spheres. Well, the little like bullet ball type mis- things. Well, Mystique pumped iron into a guy that she seduced, who was the who was the uh, guard oh, at yeah, that that's prison. A great scene. And then, oh, it's a 
it's a fantastic scene. And Magneto says, there's something different about you. Ah, too much iron in your blood. And he just lifts the guy up and then rips the iron out of him. And then all the iron just starts, like, formulating into three small balls. And all he has is three three metal spheres to uh, to break out of prison with. It's it's a great scene. That I know. I mean, this is not a not an X Men podcast, and it's been a while since I watched them. <laughs> oh, actually, I'm wearing my X Men shirt today. That is how appropriate. What a great segue. Oh, yeah, yeah, actually, know, there, yeah. there you go. All right, yeah, you could. <laughs> you, you like showed it, but it wasn't on the screen. Uh, that is probably in like my top two or three scenes of any of those X Men movies. That is an astounding scene. Um, and I don't remember where we. Oh, I was gonna Gosh. say it's like the same size. Those those. Uh, balls of iron that he has <laughs> that's a weird way to word that are like the same size as you know those little uh the little balls that people use for arthritis and they're supposed to twirl them around in their hands mm-hmm. and that's yeah. what it makes yeah. me think of when it makes you think of telekinesis makes me pe- think of people trying to like homeopathically uh, cure their arthritis with those balls <laughs> that they rotate in their hands oh, there's there's a story there i can think of like being like being so trapped with arthritis that that you develop like you can't physically move so you're hindered you, you and so then you develop sort of recessive yeah. gene yes <laughs> that then cuz your body and your will makes you want to move things so just because your body can't do it doesn't mean your spirit or your will won't let you <laughs> we've just well, we've just come up with the newest <laughs> mutant who I'm going to call yes. arthrito <laughs> <laughs> yeah, arthritis. <laughs> My new favorite mutant, arthrito. <laughs> the thing is, I come up with random superheroes all the time, and I always think to myself, one day I'm gonna, I'm gonna write a comic book, and then I, I don't. I say the same thing about a novel, and then I remind myself that, like what I said earlier, is like I better read a novel before I attempt to write one. <laughs> Life goals, whatever. But. uh all right, well, I can't hold back anymore. So they get in this fight, right. and uh, the Earthbenders use coal to beat the Firebenders. But I have I have so many, so many questions. That uh, All right, so when you get there, and George Takei's showing them around, and they're all just like, they're just like beating on metal with hammers and stuff. Like, what are they doing there? What's the point? And then second of all, you pointed out the smoke coming up. It could have been coal. It also could have been wood. Third of all, it doesn't matter, because coal is mostly made up of decayed and compact plant and organic matter it is not a mineral in the same way that dirt and rocks and earth are it's made a plant third of all why do they need coal on this they don't need to stay warm there's firebenders everywhere what do they need coal for in the first place (laughs) on there they're just ruining their own game plan by keeping this stuff anywhere fourth why does it have to be like an offshore rig why can't it just be like a steel fortress or an iron fortress like where where is the shore even i don't even know where we're on the map and what's the rig do? Is it drilling for oil? Are they finding coal in the bottom of the ocean? I don't get why anything here is happening, and I hate all of it, and it's stupid. <laughs> I hate it so much. I will say I like how the rig looks. Like, it does just look like a big rig, and you mentioned it's kind of a cool, catered prison. But I have so many more questions than answers, and it all kind of boils down to that there shouldn't have been coal on here in the first place because there's firebenders, and I don't know what else they need coal for. They can't possibly be mining for it. And second of all, that coal really isn't usually, it's mostly, I mean, there's probably dirt in it, but it's mostly plant matter. It's mostly dead organic matter. 
um, not rock. So uh, it bothers me a little bit. If you can bend that stuff, you could have just as easily bent wood, or you should already know how to bend metal. Uh, if you're evolving past regular minerals into organic <laughs> matter, uh, a lot of, lot of I little didn't things know that that bother me. I didn't know that coal was was mostly plant matter. That's interesting. Well, I didn't know. Uh, well, I mean, if if you think about it, though, think about like uh, yeah, all oils and things like like those uh, sort of what do we call them? Uh, fossil fuels, but also, non. What do you call them? non reusable fuels or non? Um, whatever. Degradable. Sort of uh, non. -re I can't think of the name for it, but those kinds of fuels. That's all from organic stuff. None of that is from uh, from Earth, really, per se. But uh, and then also. Oh well. I do. I do have. I am making list. a list of plot holes in Avatar. <laughs> Boom! That, Nailed uh, it. That one day we're gonna we're gonna go over all the potential plot all holes the in files. it. That'll be like the cynic's greatest mm -hmm. episode. Yeah. Like all the people on that on that Facebook group that prefer Korra to Aang, we're gonna be like, all right, you people, <laughs> listen up, uh, because we got this all this whole episode just full of plot holes from the first cartoon series. <laughs> um, I do have one more issue with this episode that's not really pertaining to it. It's just part of my old man rant is that um i don't care for most of the most of the dialogue in this i feel like the dialogue in this episode mm. must have been written by someone slightly different because you mentioned there's a lot of things in here that they say that they just don't land as well as it seems like they should be whether it's like katara's jokes making fun of Sokka, they're kind of worded weirdly or some of the things that katara says in her speech like it could have been a much more powerful speech <laughs> but it's worded strangely so i feel like this yeah. episode was written by somebody different than maybe I'd, I'm not as used to yet. I know there's multiple writers for multiple episodes. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a, I think that's a really interesting point. Cause like I said before, like she essentially kind of gives the same speech. Well, I guess not the same speech, but it's, she gives a similar call to arms and this that she does in the episode season three. Um, also she uses the word elephant in it. I didn't know there were elephants in this world. She says that not in the speech. She she's making like the elephant of the bear or something like that. It yeah. Another something thing to it. Yeah. Um, of course, Momo, what is Momo? He's just lemur and the, Oh, he's a flying lemur. Right. He's like a cross between a bat and a lemur. I guess a bat would make sense. I do like that line yeah. where Sokka's like, Momo, those are some <laughs> big ears. Like after Katara <laughs> bashes his ears. So I do like that line, but, um, overall, like I said, just some questionable, not bad dialogue, but it just feels like it could have yeah. been done better or a little more impactfully or something like that. Yeah. I know we're going to probably get to the next scene when they actually, you know, win the fight and they completely turn the tides. Um, when all the earthbenders have levitated the firebenders onto coal, they took him over the water. He says, no, I can't swim. And then he says, that's okay. I hear cowards float. That's that line, just weird, to me. Like, it is like it's supposed to be a cliche, mm. but it's. Are you saying that cowards are? Like, why would why would cowards float? Less that, cowards have a better chance of surviving. I will say, being if it, thrown if into it's the like water. An old, than... <laughs> uh, like if it's like an old cliche, I usually won't ask too many questions about it. But that's not that. Like that's yeah. just a random thing that he says yeah. that doesn't really. Maybe there's a basis. <laughs> like a historical basis or it's pulling from something else that we just don't know about, like a reference to something we're not aware of. Uh, but yeah, that's a great example of just, that's a weird line where even my wife looked over at me and she's like, why? But uh, yeah. no, I actually don't get to that part though. Um, I, what's, what's the next thing? I have? Oh, so 
Uh, so you just describe they dump them in the water, and then the big thing is that they're going to go start a rebellion, even though they just dumped most <laughs> of their coal onto the in, into yes, the water. Yeah, I was they thinking the same thing. Get home. So one more issue I have. Not that they would have been able to use it anyway, because it's not whatever. There's enough dirt <laughs> in coal that I'm willing to let that slide. But anyway. Okay, um, good. Maybe. I don't know. I don't have like a composition breakdown. I just assume there's some dirt in there. But they do they do go on to say, you know what, we're gonna start this rebellion, we're gonna get rid of this military occupation, and then <laughs> the end of the episode it's just like Korra and the whole party just like, all right, good luck. Katara. I said it again. I, wait, <laughs> let's jump ahead. Let's watch Korra. Apparently I'm excited. <laughs> and then, the, But then they're just like, all right, good luck. And then they just leave. Like, all right, good luck with your rebellion. And then they're gone. So the whole episode culminates in a way that disappoints me even more. Ugh, I just, whatever. I don't hate the episode. And we'll get to it when we get to ratings. I don't hate it. I just have a lot of problems with it. I'll I'll delve more in later. But um, anything else you would like to add concerning the how the how the episode winds down? Um. No, but like I said, the I think the writing this episode is, and also the writing in the, in the earlier season, I think is a little bit. I wouldn't say immature. It's just not as nuanced as later seasons go go on. Just a little um, unpracticed, maybe at that point, like still figuring yeah. things out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's fine. Um, like when she's talking to her, like, oh no, we have to get Aang. Like, oh, just the way she talks when she talks into Haru at the end, like, we have to get Aang to the whatever. Um, just the way she talks isn't. It's just not that great to me for some reason. I keep going back to the scene where uh, Katara and Sokka get into the fake argument because it, it like, it is funny. But it's almost like it should have been funnier, especially where we're coming off of the King of Omashu, where everything's kind of goofy mm-hmm. and you're just kind of chuckling through the whole episode. Their fake fight like should have been funny, it kind of was, but mostly it just sort of feels uncomfortable. Like I'm just sitting there, and I did. I always laugh when she says the elephants get together and make fun of how big your ears are, <laughs> but it just all it all rolls a little unnatural, and that that was like a microcosm of the entire episode. So, um, well. Uh, that being said, I think I think it is time for our commercial, and I'm very excited about this one because there are apparently Ooh. Avatar Legos out there. So I have good news and I have bad news. Uh, the good news is that they do exist, and it's not just <laughs> this is a Fire Nation ship, and there was maybe a couple more out there. It wasn't like a, a huge, massive thing, but there was a couple things, um, I believe. The bad news is they were all roughly the size, and they were all like $200 plus. And so... It's like, yeah, all right, so I'm not going there. So then I looked on, my wife and I have been on this kick of, um, on this Ali Express kick, because there is a brand called Leapin', and they have what's called uh, Magic World. So instead of Harry Potter, it's Magic World. Just direct ripoffs of Harry Potter sets, like to the piece, uh, down to the, like, you could not tell the difference uh, between this mm. Harry Potter castle and the Leapin' one. So I looked on there, and I looked for like 30 minutes. <laughs> There are no ripoffs of the Avatar Lego, so I'm going to submit a request in writing to leap in, be like, "Listen, I got a request. You see, the price of this over here is ridiculous. I need you to throw me a bone. I know the show is a decade old. That doesn't matter. I need you to make me this boat." But uh, long story short, we've been on a fake Lego kick in our house, and I saw this, and it very much excited me. So Lego Avatar Avatar Legos do exist. They're a real thing. 
Um, also, if you like Legos, go to Leapin. I forget the website, but just type in Leapin Legos or something like that into Google, and you will be astonished. So that brings us to the ratings. And this is uh, where... before that. Oh, sure, go ahead. Uh, I got a little commercial. Please. Uh, well, I guess it's. Uh, I mean, that's not really commercial. Yeah, but I mine. did. I think. I think before I said I was working on uh, that poster. Um, and I finally finished it, which I guess, uh, yeah. So I finally finished it, and it's actually why am I even showing it like this? This, you know, yeah, we're. <laughs> it's tough because we are uh, we're on widescreen, and that is definitely a uh, that is definitely a portrait. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, unfortunately not for sale. Lift but... it, lift it up, and scoot back as far as you can. Awesome. Fantastic. It's so glossy. It took me. Uh... I can see your phone. Oh yeah, that's like. Yeah, like a glass glass finish on there. Yeah, some uh, epoxy resin. Nice. Um, but I did share this on the uh, on the Facebook group, and many people wanted some or wanted their own copy. And unfortunately, I can't make a copy. If I did, I would. Uh, if I ever figure it out, I will let everyone know. And I would probably set it close to uh, probably set it close to cost because I don't like making money off of other people's artwork. Also, it's somewhat illegal. But <laughs> that's probably. I see what you're saying there. Like it's it is sort of an original piece, but you're still doing it based off someone else's art. So I don't know yeah. how you would make a copy. Like it's not like you can stuff that thing into a copy machine. It would basically have <laughs> so to be I... a very precise, high quality photograph. Is the only way I could think of. So I made that is a way. I made a copy. I did one of these with black superheroes, and I made a copy by scanning it onto a printer, and then I put the images together. Came out really good, um, but I wasn't able to print that either because they wouldn't help me print it at uh, FedEx. <laughs> Interesting. It's like we can't do copyright characters. Uh, but if, if I ever can come in a chance to make my own prints. And uh, I will sell them. Because one thing is that, like, I wanted this poster because I wanted a Korra. Actually, I just wanted an Avatar poster. And I did one Korra and Aang. But that doesn't exist. So I had to make my own. Uh, also, I feel bad for Sokka. Uh, I, did, I accidentally shortened Sokka up. He was supposed to be higher. So he looks like he got a really a small part of, of the overall thing. I mean, I'd feel bad for him, but whatever. He's on the poster. Like, he made the final cut. Yeah. So good for him. Pun intended, yeah. the final cut. Uh, if you... Suki did not make the final cut. But... I will. I should have done it this week. I didn't think about it. Sorry, Suki. Um, I will grab the picture that you posted on Facebook. It was a pretty high-quality picture, and I could put that in our slideshow next week. I should have done it this time. I forgot. No. Um, that is an excellent poster. I can see why people would want prints. Uh, however, that is going to be tough to stuff in a skin. <laughs> but nice work. Uh, commercial break. It's not really commercial. It's just stuff we want to talk about, and we need a break before we go into ratings. <laughs> I needed a chance to breathe in between my old man, my grumpy old curmudgeon rant, and given my ratings, which actually aren't horrible. Uh, so first of all, for example, Ooh, audio six and a half. Six and That's... a half. It is the lowest I think I've awarded, uh, maybe to anything so far. I don't recall for sure. Uh, and again, there's nothing bad here. There's just nothing that exciting. Like even the fight scene compared to other fight scenes isn't that good. Um, it's kind of dull mm -hmm. and very quick. 
Uh, I like seeing the rig. The rig itself is cool, but it presents so many questions visually and experientially that. Eh. And then there's the music is just the regular music. There's there's just nothing special about this episode audio visually whatsoever. So six and a half. Um, it's fine. It's just not good. Story seven. And the only reason I even gave it this high because there again I had so many questions. When you boil it down, all those questions are details. <laughs> They're just details. It is a, a decent little standalone story. Like, it just lives completely on its own. It could have fit just about anywhere in the universe. It just is a nice story with sort of an uplifting, albeit very sort of campy, uh, campy attempt at telling a story. But it's nice. It can live on its own. Lot, uh, there again, nothing amazing, and I have a lot of questions. So that does knock it down a few pegs. But it's fine. So I think a 7 is appropriate. And then memorable... This this is the lowest score I have awarded to anything. The only thing that I remember about this episode, for the most part, is George Takei and the elephant ears joke. And that's like the whole episode in my memory. I can't tell you most of anything else that happens. As soon as we get off of this disc, I'm looking on the DVDs, so there's only like four episodes per disc. As soon as I get away from this disc, there's a chance I'll probably never think about this episode again. Six might even be too high <laughs> if it weren't for George Takei. Does George Takei ever make any reappearances? No. I don't think so. And then a uh, serious question. Does Haru make any reappearances? Does he yes. Come he comes back. Haru makes... He comes back in at least. at least four episodes. Man, I can name you the episodes. It's Day of Black Sun Part 1, Day of Black Sun Part 2, okay, the so Western Air Temple, and he, comes back in Western he Air leaves... Temple. Yeah. And then he leaves... Um, Right at the beginning of uh, the original Firebenders, I think it was called. No, it's called the Sun Warriors. He leaves at the beginning of that one. They split up. So, so he comes back for like four episodes. So I and he grows say, a mustache. That uh, that shouldn't really impact our rating, right? Because we're trying to rate each one on its own. But the mere fact that I haven't yeah. seen this in a few years, uh, but I did remember feeling like Haru came back and had some sort of role. I was like, all right. That keeps me from just flat out trashing this episode because I can't just rate something based on George Takei's appearance um, or not his voiceover. Uh, so that kept me from completely trashing it. It's like, you know, I remember Haru. Either he's important later or he's just a memorable character. But we're talking about a village that, as far as I know, doesn't even have a name. Like, they don't even give the village a name in this episode. They don't even want <laughs> you to care. Um, mm. But whatever. So it is only a six. That brings it to a 6.6. .6 which honestly that is the lowest by far I've given any episode. I wish I wish it was a little lower just cuz I care so little about this episode. It is saved by the fact that it is a good sort of independent standalone story or good enough. All right, my rating so audio visual uh, we're not too far off, I think. No, uh, so I gave close. it 7 on this one. Like you said, nothing there's not really a single shot in this episode that I'm just like, ooh, that's a nice shot. Just the lemur and on the rock. the action's message. not... Uh, yeah, lemur on the rock. <laughs> <laughs> just Sokka going like... And then, yeah, that's it. Um, I did love the, the the quick shot of Haru's mom turning around with tears in her eye. That's a good one. That was great. That's yeah. the best shot in this. Um, so that's probably what gave it a seven to me because it, it was a, a good a good moment and it was greatly portrayed. It was it was a good shot. Um, other than that, yeah, the music wasn't that great. And like I mentioned before, the, 
the fighting um the fighting wasn't that great like we didn't like they showed earth being a style but it wasn't it just it just wasn't as wasn't as 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 action packed as it usually is so just a 7 for audio visual the story i gave this a 7 and a half because uh, because this was a constant reminder of the ramifications of war and what it does <clears throat> and and also we did we didn't mention before, but there was a good moment there between Haru and Katara talking about what the Fire Nation, what this war has done to them personally. Haru brings up that well, the Fire Nation took my dad, and Katara brings up, you know, this is this necklace I have is the only thing that I remember from my mother, and it's the first time that we learn the significance of that necklace. Um, and then by the end of it, she loses her necklace, which is probably why they had to showed significance of it beginning but still a really important necklace and actually the necklace comes into factor <clears throat> a lot of couple episodes all throughout season one um and and it's a little bit in season season three because uh, then by the end of it zuko picks up the necklace yeah but other than that the story yeah i mean they the characters are left exactly where they were at before um so yeah i gave it seven and a half and seven and a half is probably being generous um, but I'm yeah, we were really so. close on that. Whenever we're close, it yeah. gives me some validation. I'm like, oh yeah, we're kind of seeing, seeing similar stuff. Uh, the memorable, like you mentioned before, George Takei voice acting in this is great. Yes. Um, I keep nodding my head. We, like, you can see me. You can't see me. I'm nodding my head in, in agreement. I can mm-hmm. see you. You can't see me. Yeah, it's true. Um, George K is great. The this is. I probably really should give this six and a half at, at, at the most. Um, because when this episode, when I do get to this episode, I think, oh, I just skipped this episode. Like, and it's, and, and I think that way about a few episodes in season one. And this is, this is one of them where I'm just like, yeah, I can just skip it. There's only really one episode I think in season two that I think is somewhat skippable. Um, yeah, and like, and there's really none in season. No, there's maybe one or two in season three also, and just one. I think it's definitely, but definitely one I go, in season three, uh, if I'm remembering right. My memory is not that good, but I can probably think of the one that you're thinking of in season three. You just have to keep watching and find out which one it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this one is not that memorable besides George Takei. And uh, yeah, we do meet Haru, but he's honestly a forgettable character. He's forgettable. Like almost like when he comes back in season two, I feel like they gave him a mustache just to make it more interesting. Uh, <laughs> hey, we should bring this guy back. We can't bring that guy back. Look at him; he's so lame. It's like, all right, what if I do this? Okay, yeah, that's fine. Okay. It could have been worse. <laughs> just, it'll, it'll be a it'll be a, a, a icebreaker, definitely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, give him some. And the thing is, it was like an icebreaker. I think. I think someone was like, you think I should grow a mustache like Haru? Did Saka say that one time? I'm not for sure. You know what, Oh, sounds, no, he didn't mention it. It sounds he, familiar. He mentioned so it in, we're making up the in same a speech. Stuff. Yeah, I think it happens. <laughs> I think it's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so, so it comes out to 7.3. And, uh, you know, that's that's probably pretty fair. I think that was on your lower end of episodes as well. So we're close. 6.9 yeah. average score. Again, all we're saying here, it's it's only bad relative to the rest of the series. Like if you just flipped on 
uh, cartoon, you didn't know what you're watching. You saw this episode, you're like, <laughs> oh, that was you know moderately humorous and cute, and there was a moment. yeah. You... But you stack it up to what we've seen so far, and it just doesn't quite fit. Yeah, if you were only looking at this episode, you might think, oh man, these people are being in prison, but then they fight back, and, and sure, they don't fight back at first, but all they need is a little bit of coal, <laughs> they, <laughs> and then they fight back, and then, yeah. And then you watch the rest of the show, like, oh, okay. Never mind, that really wasn't that important, was it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think a 6.9 is pretty good representation, like if 7... If seven's a fairly low score, but that's still like a C grade, it's like, all right, you are so close to getting a C, almost there. <laughs> that's probably a fair grade. And so, uh, in conclusion, and this is what I'm going to mention, so we do see Suko at the end, just for a second, and you mentioned it. Uh, he Somewhere along the line, Katara dropped her necklace, and Suko picks it up, and that is important. As you mentioned, it comes back into a couple episodes. Uh, there's one in the very near future where it comes back. So, important to note that Suko picks up the necklace, and uh, that we see him for like I don't know maybe two seconds, but he's there. He makes an appearance. So uh, I have a couple notes in in conclusion. Would be that so I mentioned next episode will be a two parter, uh, two episodes in one. Then after that, there is at least one episode that I think we both hate and most not hate. Mm-hmm. There's one episode that we don't love. I think during that episode mm-hmm. we should try to. Uh, squeeze in another conversation, whether it's one of the topics we've talked about on Facebook or uh, just a separate topic of our own. I think it'd be good uh, a good opportunity to squeeze something else in on that episode. So if you yeah. don't mind thinking ahead to that and something else you might like to talk about. And then finally, I was going to offer, uh, we made a few format changes that saved me some time because I'm kind of lazy, and I think they were fine. Uh, but one other thing I meant to do and I didn't, I wanted you to give your ratings first because I feel like I steal a lot of your thunder by giving my ratings first every time. <laughs> and and I think that's the wrong way to do it. If anything, it should definitely be you first and then me tacking on afterwards. So uh, from now on, if you're open to the idea, I'll probably have you give your ratings first. Yeah. Sounds fine. We're going to alternate, whatever. I think it'll make... Alternate in between? No, that's too much work. Uh, I... <laughs> I think you uh, are much better at picking out uh, fine sort of key meaningful details. Like even this one, I talked about audiovisual, and during that, never once did I even remember that shot of the lady turning around, of Haru's mom turning around, <laughs> and, tears and, tears. and that's pretty important. It's like you know, what? maybe you better get go first, and you'll be able to touch on those things. And then after that, you can come in all curmudgeon and be like, "No, nah, that was dumb. This is dumb," but with with a touch more perspective. So uh, we'll give that a shot next time. And I think. Yeah, I think that's all I wanted to remember. Yeah, I don't think I have any, uh, any tangents to end this one on. <laughs> Not our favorite episode, saved by uh, George Decay. Maybe that's what happened. The episode was really yeah. bad. They're like, guys, we can't put this on the air. Hold on, I got an idea. <laughs> then he starts dialing his phone. He's like, who are you calling? Just my friend George. <laughs> <laughs> Some guy came in. Like, they, still, they still have audio recording of some random guy doing the voices. The thing is, they've gotten a lot of great voice talent, and and, I'm, and I know a lot of I think a lot of actors like to get into voice acting because one thing it's really easy, like you don't have to no hair and makeup, no no dress. You don't. I don't think I'm not sure you even have to remember lines because the lines no, are right you there. Read them. I th- and, I've heard it's a very. I don't know anything about cinema, but I've heard it's a very comfortable experience relative yeah. to other mm-hmm. cinematic things. <laughs> 
So I'm sure a lot of times they're just like, uh, and one thing, Andrea Romana, who is the uh, voice director, and she is a legendary voice director. She was a voice director for, she started with Batman the Animated Series, and she has done really a lot of great stuff since pretty much every single DC animated movie and Avatar and Korra. Um, she, has, she has a lot of Hollywood connections, or just a lot of connections. You made um, it a whole hour before you talked about Batman the Animated Series. Uh, it's got to be some kind of a record. I'm glad he made an appearance in the show. It's important. If I can talk about Dragon Quest and we can talk about the NBA, you can talk about Batman. That's totally fine. Um, okay, Batman's always here anyway. I don't want to miss Yeah, He's always watching. Literally, he's right over your right shoulder, kind of right now. Uh, there's two of them, actually. He's over your right shoulder and next to your right shoulder. He's all over. Whatever. Batman's always watching us. There's a great documentary on Netflix called I Know That Voice. <clears throat> Um, I really enjoy that documentary. It's just about, like, it has a bunch of legendary voice actors on it and kind of maybe how they got in or just some nuances of voice acting. I think Joe DiMaggio is the narrator of it. He's the main, he's, yeah, he's kind of like the narrator of, of that uh, of that documentary. Joe DiMaggio, of course, as you know, is the person who voices Bender on Futurama. No, I didn't know that actually. I don't keep up with my actors. I oh, love future. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, gosh. You spoil it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I I completely overestimated your love of. Well, the thing is, I am the type of person that knows voice actors' actual names. Man, I have a I have a terrible like. You could ask me. Uh, I mean, characters from my favorite movies or anything. I just it's one of those things that I don't retain very well. But yeah, I know. Bender Bending Rodriguez is one of my favorite characters of anything ever. Um, I knew that Joe DiMaggio was not the baseball player, so I was with you to that point. <laughs> I was that far. No, I have to watch it. What is it? I know that voice. Is that the name of the, uh, uh, the Netflix yeah. documentary? Excellent. I'm pretty, sure. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called, is I know that voice. What a nice way to come full circle. We started talking about Futurama, and now we're going to end talking about Futurama. So nice. That is important. Yeah. That's very full circle, just like... Uh, just like Avatar The Last Airbender. Boom. Cut. Beautiful.